0: Hello there, and welcome to D&D VNG, a podcast that travels back through time and takes a look at the good, the bad, and the ugly of the Dungeons & Dragons licensed video games. Each month, we'll sit down, analyze, and discuss a specific D&D game, focusing on both its gameplay mechanics and its relationship to the source material. I'm your host, Rudy Basso, and with me today and for all future podcasts is my co-host and current brother, Alex Basso. Hi, Alex. Hey, hey, brother. brother. And uh, also joining us for our first episode are two of the tallest people I know, Gregory Blair and Vegas me. Lancaster. Hi! Great guys. Hi. Guys, since we're just going to be talking about video games on this podcast, I think it's important that we go through our personal histories about video games, D&D or otherwise. So Alex, tell me about your relationship with video games.
1: Uh, I've been playing video games for as long as I can remember, so about 20 plus years now, which is probably too long. No. Uh, started in the mid-90s, Nintendo, uh, got a really nice computer, and I've been playing computer games ever since. Um, I've played a lot of D&D games, uh, video games, which eventually led to starting tabletop gaming uh, about five years ago now. Excellent.
0: I am your brother. And therefore, have a very similar relationship. Yeah, we have playing since we were kids. <laughs> a lot of NES, then Genesis, then we're mostly PC gamers now, I would say. Dabble on the consoles, but I'll stick to my mouse and keyboard. Thank you kindly. Uh, how about you, Greg? What do you like about video games?
2: I will play just about any kind of game, with the general exception of racing games and sports games. Excepting, yeah. of course the highest fidelity basketball game of all time nba jam tournament edition oh. he's on fire <laughs> <laughs> he is for some reason my parents got uh, my brother and i an atari 2600 and i can't even remember how old i was then and it's pretty much been gaming ever since moved away from consoles a bit um since you really can't compete with steam sales for cheap games yeah. and uh yeah Tons of D and D games, although probably a lot of people will poo-poo me for not really ever getting into the Baldur's Gate, Icewind Dale kind of series. Mm. Maybe I can make that up during this course of this podcast. Maybe, I
0: don't know. <clears throat> maybe, probably, definitely, yeah. at some point. But
2: I love me some RPGs and some tactical turn-based games. It's good times. Give me leveling and inventory, and I'm a happy man.
0: Love it. I yeah. love it. Vegas. What about you? What do you like to play?
3: Oh, I've been playing, uh, like all of you and probably many of our listeners, uh, playing games my whole life since I was playing games on MS-DOS when I was four years old. Uh, right? I, uh, I kind of fancy myself a, uh, connoisseur of weird, eclectic games. Uh, I really like the Phoenix Wright series Ah. and, uh... You know, games where you raise a princess and get her to marry cool guy. Stop! Cool cool guy, cool guy games. Cool guy games. (laughs) I want to make a game called Trey Cool Guy, and he's a space adventurer, and it's like an old school, like, pointed click adventure, and it's a satire, and his name is Trey Cool Guy.
0: Trey Cool, isn't that the uh, drummer for... Green Day too?
3: I learned that a week ago, but I've had this idea for like a year, and I'm just like, God damn
0: it <laughs> We'll have it to email him. Out. Maybe we can uh, work out some deal. Anyway, we're all great. We all have played video games for a long time. I think that makes us experts, and I think that means we, we're allowed to talk about video games. So for this episode, first episode, we're going to talk about a D&D game that is not an RPG, which is kind of crazy, but that's one of the things we want to do. We want to look at all D&D games, whether they're the classic Baldur's Gate series or obscure late 80s games set uh, in Spelljammer Universe. Today we're going to talk about Chronicles of Mystara. So before we start talking about the history of the game and what it's like, I would highly encourage you to look in the show notes on thetomeshow.com And there will be a video linked to us playing the game so you can actually see what it looks like. It will help a lot for the discussion if you, the listener, have some knowledge of what the game is.
1: So Chronicles of Mistara is actually a uh, port of two games, both released in the mid-90s. The first being Tower of Doom in in 1993 and the second being Shadow over Mistara in 1996. And they're uh, side-scroller beat-em-ups, similar to, uh, I'd say, Double Dragon, Streets of Rage. Really popular series in the mid-90s. Has a little bit of a comeback recently with Castle Crashers a couple years ago. And they're multiplayer games. They're up to four people at a time. Seemed pretty popular at the time. They were in arcades, big arcade
3: games. While we played the game on Steam, on PC, most of our listeners probably remember playing this game in the arcades. You also, if you lived in Japan, had the opportunity to play a port of this game that was released on Sega Saturn in 1999.
2: Which is appropriate, considering that it was developed by Capcom. We found out that this is the only D&D game to ever be made by a Japanese company, and also the only d and game to ever be featured in an arcade. Rudy really thought it would be funny for me to introduce this part, because I lived in Japan but I actually don't think it's very surprising that it's not an RPG. Because it has nothing to do with JRPGs. So obviously, they're not going to make a D&D game an RPG. It's going to be straight up beat-em-up, classic Japanese style.
0: Okay. Thank you, Greg, for your wonderful no Japanese culture insight. That's why you're on here. So let's talk about this game. Let's talk about this game completely devoid of its d and Dness. Let's just talk about the mechanics so it's a beat-em-up. You know, your classic Double Dragon beat up involves two buttons, punch and jump. I think this game is special because it's a lot deeper than that. These games, rather. So you have your classic attack, you have your jump, but there's a whole magic system. There's a whole item system. There are four different classes to choose from. There's a lot going on in this game.
2: I was honestly shocked when we played Tower of Doom, mm-hmm. which was the first one, you know, came out in 93. And the depth of even just, you know, different combat moves, the different classes, having an inventory with tracked items, being able to buy stuff in shops. I couldn't believe that this game was as deep as it was. Especially since, you know, growing up cutting my teeth on stuff like Double Dragon, Battletoads, whatnot. Even Streets of Rage, okay, let me pick up a bat, not... (laughs) Not let me go to the shop and buy some firebombs that I can throw at people and mm. set everyone on fire. That was pretty impressive to me.
3: Yeah, I I agree. For a, for a beat-em-up game, which is normally a pretty straightforward, every character is almost exactly the same, there's some definite variety between the characters that you can choose to play. And, I, and that's very reminiscent of dungeons and dragons you're choosing a class and that class has strengths and disadvantages just for an example if you're playing a cleric you have a turn undead spell which will totally kill all the skeletons on a screen Uh, so if you've got a cleric with you when you're playing certain sections of the game are way easier uh, which is kind of neat yeah, well,
1: what really impressed me, I think, is just the magic system in general. Um, in Shadow over Mistara, which adds an additional two classes, bringing the total to six, uh, it has a magic user, who basically is really kind of useless in melee combat, but he has tons of spells, probably over a dozen. Um, and that kind of makes it's a completely different game when you're playing him. It's all about managing your spells, uh, you know, knowing when to use you know, what boss fights coming up, you have enemies that are immune to certain spells. It really you know, it's a different kind of style for this game that I've never really had before. Um, so that that's kind of unique. Yeah,
0: so the classes are all really unique, which is again something special in a in a beat 'em up brawler, you know, most of them they're all the same things except someone would get one person might get a special move. Yeah. But in this game like when nightcrawler can teleport exactly oh that's a great example of the
1: the or
2: when you know the big guy is strong and the little guy is fast yeah
1: you have a strong guy uh, average guy and a weak you know fast but weak guy
0: but this one's great because the thief she can unlock every box or crate without uh needing a key she has a special sling weapon and she can backstab Whereas the elf has a six-hit combo because she's so agile, and she can use both magic and weapons. And the fighter can dual-wield or use a two-handed weapon. It's really, really deep for a, for a, for a brawler, for a beat up It makes me think of Castle Crashers, which is a very modern un- game. Fifteen years newer. Exactly. It uses a lot of newer mechanics. Yet this game's from the 90s. It's just miles ahead of, of all these other fighters out there.
3: That's a really neat feature, too, for a 90s arcade game, which Mm -hmm. is trying to suck in as many quarters as possible. Uh, Um, The more pals and friends that you're playing with, the more of a balanced party that you have, just like in real D&D, and the more uh, approaches you can take to solving a fight because you have the wizard spells, the fighter taking dudes on, the turn undead from the cleric. The game, I think, is easier when you're playing with friends because of that.
2: Yeah, and you know, speaking of the different approaches, you know, you're talking about party composition and whatnot, I think it adds replayability, mm-hmm. right? So, oh, I played I played the dwarf, Gobdi the dwarf, yeah. mind you, yeah. in uh, Tower of Doom, and then for Shadow of Mistara, you know, I wanted to switch it up, so right there. That's quarters in the machine. Mm -hmm. But also, something that we haven't talked about yet is the game, even the first one, Tower of Doom, had branching Branching paths. paths.
0: Yeah, branching paths.
2: Where you actually, the choices made a difference. Mm -hmm. There were different Mm -hmm. gameplay elements, there were different challenges and rewards. I mean, that, this is 93 in an arcade (laughs) game. What? Yeah. I I don't even understand how they came up with this stuff.
3: I will say that uh, the the branching paths, maybe they make you feel like you're making different choices, but ultimately you're just going to a different looking map where you're punching guys uh, no matter what choice you make, except for one fascinating choice halfway through the game where we were asked whether uh, we want to take the long route around a mountain like sensible smart adventurers or you if like we punk,
2: right? journey
3: into a cave and fight a dragon nice. and when we said fight the dragon the NPC in the game asked us three times in a row are you sure you want to do that that's super dumb <laughs> we kept saying yes and then it you brought us a to end. Yeah. Yeah. nearly impossible to defeat Red Dragon, or at least if we were playing with real-life quarters we um, yeah. would not have been able to defeat That's him. the game's way to try
0: to save you money. <laughs> yeah. But all the sweet treasure we got, because that's right, you can equip items in this game. You can pick up things like gauntlets of power and rings of protection, and rings that cast spells, if you're a non-magic user. It's just, ah, there's so much to it. It's really yeah, impressive.
2: I mean, even talking about the items... Even in the first game, and I know I keep saying this, how, you know, even in Tower of Doom, I was really impressed because a lot of the stuff they in expanded on it even more in Shadow of a Mistar. But even in the first game, you had class-specific items. You know, the... Only the magic user can pick up certain scrolls. Only the cleric can pick up certain scrolls. Like, sticks to snakes. <laughs> probably the best scrolls. Yeah. Cleric can't
0: hold. use daggers. can't, you can't use, use any bladed, bladed weapons. weapons. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Cleric can't th- do throwing daggers, you know, stuff like that. And it's subtle. And this is kind of where we're sort of dipping from mechanics mm. into the more D&D let's, aspects. Yeah, but when I see a cleric that can't use bladed weapons, that's awesome to me. That's yeah. old school, you know. it's a, it's a It's a nice detail. And there was a lot of that in these games.
3: I will say, I I was playing as the elf character, which... uh, The elf class. The elf class, excuse me, which is... um, She has a sword, um, but she's predominantly a magic user in the uh, first iteration of the game. And I I felt that, for the most part, I was inferior to the other classes, because it's still mostly a beat-em-up game, and the primary method of gameplay is to stand next to things and punch them and she was less effective than other classes at that and there weren't a ton of scenarios where i felt using her magic was better than being good See, at punching yeah
1: and the, well, in the first one it's tougher because the magic i mean your characters are lower level they're like around level eight in D terms so the magic spells aren't as impressive and she is very low health which is really tough and he's beat him up. She dies like twice as fast as a, as the dwarf character.
2: That's um, but I think dwarf the dwarf is best.
1: Yes. But I think the magic really starts to pick up a lot more in Shadow of Mustara. Yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, honestly, I played when I was just kind of messing around by myself. I played a fighter for a little bit. And then I switched to the magic user. And the magic user, I guess one of the first bosses, it was easy mode. Oh, you got back up? Oh, I'm going to cast a spell. Yeah. You're on fire. You're electrocuted. Sorry, electroshocked. You know, whatever. Like super easy mode button just sit there and push magic. So, maybe in Tower of Doom it wasn't as effective, but I mean, you you turned people into pigs and goats. Don't forget about that.
3: That was amusing. <laughs> I and mean, you the, the she has a polymorph spell and it turns the the creatures that you cast the spell on into a uh, different randomly determined animals this isn't always a pig sometimes it's like something else that's kind of cool
0: yeah. kind
3: of cool for a 1993 arcade game yeah right
0: the magic system now let's talk more about it as a and i mean obviously this is not a conversion of any rule set it's a it's a beat-em-up but it has a lot of classic D elements to it like, for example, the magic system, which it switches over from Tower of Doom to Mistara. In Tower of Doom, it's just you have a set number of each spell. But in Mistara, there are different tiers, of, levels of spells. And you can cast, you know, five within that tier. Just like an old school D&D magic system. And I was really, really surprised and really tickled to see that that existed. It's really cool. Just a
2: bits, perhaps.
0: Yeah, what other awesome d and Dness ness do you guys see in this game?
1: Uh, I mean, I'm gonna just say, you know, the enemies you fight. I mean, I know it's not really a particular gameplay element, but uh, it's great to see their iteration. You know, their versions of the Beholder, of the Dragon. who fought a Displacer Beast, Manticore. True. You're going through like the Who's Who of D and D. I think maybe the only thing missing was a, a Mind Flayer. I don't think we encountered any of those.
2: But it's just I don't great. Think I'd want to encounter any of those. Yeah,
1: yeah that's true. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's great just going through the
3: game and punching these things in the face it's as close as you can get to it you know it was awesome too we fought a troll and after you defeat the troll right. if you don't use some fire-based attack on it it recovers health and gets back up how D D is that <laughs> yeah
2: that's that pretty awesome. dang DD i like that i mean for the displacer beast they actually had it spawn a few copies, so you weren't sure which one was the real one, to sort of simulate the blur effect that they have. But if you looked real carefully, you could see the shadow under the real one, you know, stuff like that. That's just really neat, and you know, having the gnolls running around, and kobolds and stuff, all the, the little iconic monsters, except for those hellhounds, man, what a pain those guys were. <laughs> those <are really laughs> but everything about it, they put they put the stamps there, you know. even. I know Vegas, you didn't feel as effective with the elf, but even the elf with the long sword, I mean that's even throughout the editions. Oh, elf? I don't care what class you are. Have a long sword. Why not? That was neat, you know, they would level you up after every kind of adventure. Mm-hmm. There was resting, depending on which path you took, maybe you'll get a chance to rest. You'll get all your health back. You'll get all your spells back. You know, if you keep pressing on, then you don't. You know, it's cool like that. I've never seen a beat I can't recall ever seeing beat-em-up where, oh, you know, rest day, let's all heal up guys. Because mm-hmm. they went those quarters. I feel like there were a lot of neat little places directly based on it being D&D, where they didn't try to steal your money at any chance they could, which was nice.
0: The game is set in Mastara too. It's one of only a handful of games to use that campaign setting. Do you guys, did it feel, I don't know, do you guys know Mastara?
3: I'm not familiar with Mystara at all from my uh, tabletop adventures. Yeah,
0: this is pre-4th ed. Pre-3rd ed, even, I think.
2: is pretty dang old. Pretty
0: old, yeah. I mean, but there were some interesting things about Mistar that I was not aware of. Like, at one point, there's an airship that shoots cannons at a monster. It's like, oh, okay. That's right, you ride on the airship at one point. You mm-hmm. ride on a railroad, essentially. Uh it's seems like pretty Eberron
2: cool. before Eberron existed. I guess so. Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. talk about that to Keith Baker. Tell him well, figure d- that is. He... I mean,
2: I'm not going to tell him. You can tell him. That's fine. Uh,
3: he does a great to... job representing what D&D feels like. It seems like, you know, from playing the games, uh, a somewhat generic D&D fantasy setting and that's fine for what the games are. Uh I I feel like the again, playing with friends it, it felt like playing with a and d party. Uh, I think that's what they did best, uh, translating D&D to a beat-em-up game, and that's just uh, really kind of cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I just
0: think of, you know, calling out, Cleric, use Turn Undead, or I need healing, or... Come unlock this box, things like that. It was.
1: Uh... Rudy,
2: you took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. All I was going to say was that. Oh, Cleric. That was oh, my Claire. entire
1: experience in uh, <laughs> Tower of Doom, using turn undead over my, and Where's over my again. heels? Yeah.
2: Where's my turn undead? Yeah. Cleric, why aren't you casting Sticks of Snakes yet? Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> sticks of Snakes, man. What a spell.
1: That was oh, a man.
2: highlight for me and personally. As...
1: <laughs> and as limited as they are, I really enjoyed making the choices, too, in the game, uh, especially in the second one where you get to like, vote on them. Mm uh, yeah. It just feels like, you know, making. We, we'd we spend some time to talk it over. You know, it's not really many options, but I guess as close as you can get to making decisions in a Dungeons & Dragons game is a party.
2: Yeah, and I mean, I liked arguing about loot.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, you,
2: you mean know, arguing
0: or running to it?
2: There is a place. to still there. Initially, is a, yeah. initially, I really didn't like that you have to pick up so when the bad guys drop coins on the ground and sacks of gold whatever you actually have to go over and push a button to pick it up and I thought that was really dumb at first because you know I gotta push the button he drops five coins I gotta push it five times but then when someone else is so busy fighting all the monsters you can just run and steal all the treasure (laughs) And yeah. there's no there's no loot division automatically, you know, it's not like whatever Diablo three where oh everyone's got their own unique loot. No, I'm taking it all and it's mine. And that yeah, was if you awesome. hate
3: sharing this is the game this for is, you yeah.
2: And then you know later it's cool. We divvied it up a little more fairly. But that was fun. You know, it's huh. like that old that old picture of shakedown or whatever from uh, one of the old like first edition books or something like that. They're shaking the, the one guy upside down. That's that's what I was doing.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, usually after a boss, there's only like ten seconds to loot, so it yeah. really becomes just like a madhouse. Who can run around and pick up as much as possible.
0: Plus, there's this. We learn this later. If you slide, your character slides forward and it just automatically picks everything yeah. up.
2: Only so, second game, though. Only in
0: second yeah. game. But when it, you know, whenever a boss died, you'd hear slide, 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 because everyone tries to frantically pick up everything and not share any of it.
2: You know, I gotta say too. And Shadow Over Mistar really added a lot. And I thought it was cool how to, you could have multiple PCs of the same class. Yes, you could have two. You know, it,
0: well, it maxes out at two.
2: Right. But, I mean, that they differentiated them. So, yes. I mean, that kind of reflects maybe how two people playing the same class might make some different choices. Yeah. Plus, the dwarf had an eye patch on yes. his alternate
0: different skins and for the magic users different uh, different spells so we talked a lot about the game a lot of positive not really any negatives so far would you guys recommend this game to all our wonderful listeners to try out
3: well i apologize for not getting to uh the negative aspects of the game sooner because there definitely are some the the first biggest problem that I had with this game is uh, we were playing it multiplayer as a group and we were having tons of connection issues um, constantly being kicked from the game and having to rejoin or close it and restart uh, and just kept happening as we were yeah. playing. It was I mean,
2: super- we tried to beat the last tower climb in the first game for over an hour and it should have taken maybe 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. yeah. But DCs and the game crashing. Just random it, crashes to desktop. Oh my yeah. Goodness. yeah.
1: It, it was probably about every 10 minutes it disconnected. So if there was ever a span of time where two checkpoints
3: took longer than 10 minutes, then we couldn't, we couldn't really do it. Yeah. So that's a yeah. big negative. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Besides that, I. Personally, uh, I'm not a huge fan of beat-em-up games in general. You know, I think they're kind of a relic of that era. Um, And I know indie games kind of are doing new cool things with them now. But the, the real value of the game for me was that I played this game on arcade machines when I was a kid. So it was really nostalgic to play it again. Uh, If I hadn't done that, even with all the features that we were saying were neat, these are features that were really neat in 1993. At this point, uh, I don't know that it, without the nostalgic value, holds up so well against other modern games that you could be spending your money on.
2: Fair enough. So... I agree that maybe it doesn't hit all of the same points of some of the modern stuff, you know, like... um, castle crashers or you know guacamelee it's it doesn't have that level of complexity even something like shank how however i think that it does hold up pretty well for being 20 years old tower of doom that game is 20 years old and i was impressed by the features that it had now i think If, maybe if we were all on the same computer, I don't know how high the local co-op goes. We know it at least goes up to two. That might be better. Um, But in its current state, with the crashes and the network issues, I don't think I can recommend it. I wanna love this game. This game is fun. They even put in little extra challenges on the side for, you know, um, we didn't even, we we totally forgot about this part. House rules. Yeah, so they put in extra challenges where you can earn coins, like, oh, let me stomp 20 guys when they're on the ground. Oh, here's 50 points. And you can use these points to unlock fun little house rules, like tons of gold or use gold as health and stuff like that. And that's awesome. You know, that's even an update. And I want to love this game. But it's not as fun to play by yourself. And I couldn't play it reliably with my homies online. So I'm going to go with not recommended. Harsh.
0: Harsh, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Alex, how about you? Uh, I
1: mean, these guys are pretty much you know, hitting on the head. It's it's a great game. It's so much fun to play multiplayer. But, you know, connection issues really plague it. If you have a group of friends that you can sit around a computer and play with, I definitely would recommend it. Uh, I do disagree with Vegas in that I feel like you know, this, it, it is a 20-year-old game, you know, beat-em-ups, but beat-em-ups really haven't progressed much since the mid-90s, <laughs> you know, like, I feel like it's a, it's a kind of game that kind of died out once PlayStation came around. It's very rare, it's rare, even, like, you are talking about Guacamelee and Shank, uh, those aren't multiplayer, right? They're Shank not four-player. Wow.
0: I don't know, Shank 2 might have someone else jump in.
1: But, I, I mean, how many four-player beat-em-ups are there seriously around? Like, I can't think of one
2: since like Scott Castle Crashers game, Castle Crashers, Scott Pilgrim. They're really rich. Uh, yeah. a new Double Dragon or something? Uh, well, well, we, we played...
3: We, we downloaded Scott Pilgrim game on... Xbox locally, and we played it for like a half hour, and we were like, eh, this is kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh,
1: so it's progressed a little. There's been so, so very few of them. I mean, I still feel like this holds up. Like, if I'm thinking of the best beat em ups I've ever played, this is in my top three, for sure. Uh, I think it's still one of the best of the series, I mean, of the genre. So, if you're someone who loves beat em ups, uh, you know, misses that mid 90s. Uh, genre, then uh, you know, give it a try. And if you have anyone else that you can play locally with, do it, because it's a great game. I think it's one of the best. And um, unfortunately, though, don't don't buy a four-pack on Steam and expect <laughs> your friends across the country to last uh, any more than five to ten minutes before yeah. you disconnect.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you. It's pretty too. It's a pretty game. The animation style definitely holds up. I don't think it's really aged. It has a specific style. Uh, I think it looks I nice. I, I think it looks good. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think Shadow over Mistara. I could maybe agree with you on that. Tower of Doom. Yeah, Tower it's of got Doom a certain much. aesthetic. Yeah. But I don't know if I'd say it looks like great. Just I'm just throwing that out there.
0: It <laughs> looks nice. It looks nice. Enough. Uh, and while we did have a lot of problems with 3-4 to four players, Alex and I did play through the whole thing together, the two of us online. So, I don't know, maybe with some fiddling bad. you could figure out... There are some options with changing like ping values or max lag setting. We didn't really mm. dabble too much with that.
2: Because so, it was kind of hard to tell what it necessarily meant. Yeah. There was some mystery setting that had to do with... Input lag and latency and like, yeah. I I don't know what this means, sure. You know there was also a variety of
1: crashes. Yeah. Uh, that's sometimes true. people yeah. would disconnect a lobby, sometimes they'd crash the desktop. Sometimes we could rejoin the game
0: in progress. It, sometimes. It was, yeah.
1: It was it was varied. Which is not good. Not yeah, hard to lock that problem down.
0: But I am you know, I specifically am a lover of the genre. I really enjoyed the beat 'em ups. I love four player co op for pretty much anything. So I, I would recommend this game, uh, even with the problems.
2: So I'll, I'll I'll riff off that a little bit, Rudy. Okay. So we got a four pack for Indeed. ten or eleven bucks a piece, right?
3: Yes, great deal. Yeah.
2: I think if you could get this game for, I'll say five dollars or less, maybe, and you had one other friend to play with, who you knew, you know, mm-hmm. pretty committed. I'd say if two people, five dollars or less, it might be worth a shot. If the other things that we discuss sound appealing to
0: you. Yeah, it goes on sale on Steam all the time. Next time there's a Steam sale, take a look. I'm sure it'll be half off. We are gamers. We do play a variety of games. So I'd like to just go around the room and, guys, recommend a game for me. What have you been playing recently? What do you think people should be playing right now?
2: So, regardless of how many times I'm on this podcast, (sighs) I've decided that I'm only going to say this once. Because I don't want everyone to hate me. But my god, if Dota isn't the best game I've ever played, (laughs) and I can always come back to it, you know, the Tycho on Penny Arcade was talking about, you know, discovering an Ur game, something he describes as a game that you can always go back to, it's always fun, you know, you never get tired of it. For me, that game is Dota. It's always something to learn, got a bunch of people I like to play with, it's a lot of fun, and if you ever want, look up Pop. And we'll play some Dota together.
0: Dota two, just uh, so we're super specific. Dota two.
2: That's you true. Play
0: the first one, right? Playing on yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, you it used know. to. Lo- I thought it looked so amazing when I used to play it. I bought Frozen Throne just to play Dota, by the way. And I thought it looked so amazing. And now going back after Dota two, it's it's like someone vomited on the screen. I don't <laughs> understand. But Dota two, let's do it. <laughs>
3: Can I ask, is Dota 2 different and and superior to League in any particular way, or are they don't answer that question? Did <laughs> I open up a giant can? <laughs>
2: I'm not it's the different. typical MOBA player where I have super serious hatred and loyalties. I do like Dota better than League for certain reasons that we can get into at another time. But League's kind of fun to. Do you know to mess around in League it's fun to mess around in League but I don't view it as a serious so for my serious moba fun that's Dota 2 for me
0: Alex Basso, recommend me a game
1: and uh, I'm going to go with chivalry medieval warfare ah. which is a game you know Greg mentioned it, a game you always go back to this hasn't been out that long but I feel like it's been out about a year and a half I've been playing it probably more consistently than any other game it's recently just came out with a big update, a bunch of new maps for free. This game is always on sale. It's uh, a first-person, kind of knights, medieval-era combat game. It's a lot of swinging your sword, and it's very, very violent. Lots of decapitations, <laughs> yeah. losing limbs.
2: Don't forget and stuff, the yelling.
1: And yelling, yelling, yes, lots uh, of yelling. Yelling
2: is super important uh, story. Uh,
1: definitely the most fun I've ever had with a melee combat first-person system. Um, or third person, you can play that way too if you like. And it's just, I don't know, it's good times. Just run into a group of enemies and friends, start swinging your sword, and see limbs fly. I
0: agree. That is an awesome game, and its expansion, Deadliest Warrior, is also quite fun. And adds based guns. Off the, based off the, the hit canceled series, hit like... television program, Deadliest Warrior. Vegas, recommend me a game.
3: Uh, I was joking around at the beginning of the podcast saying I play a lot of princess games. Uh, and the reason I said <laughs> that uh, is last week I downloaded a game off of Steam called Long Live the Queen, where you're raising a princess from age 14 to 15 who's about to inherit this fantasy mm-hmm. kingdom. Uh-oh. Uh, and it's a, the, the premise of the game is that there are many things that can kill this princess, whether it's poisons or assassins, and, and you're trying to raise her to live to her coronation. It's a very bizarre, unusual game, and if you're into games like that, take a look, uh, Long Live the Queen on Steam. Very interesting. I, too, am
0: going to recommend an interesting game called Gods Will Be Watching, which is an atmospheric moral choice simulator. You're put in the shoes of a character who constantly has to make incredibly difficult decisions, whether it be negotiating the the release of hostages or being forced to eat your character's dog because uh, you and your friends are starving. Gameplay is essentially just resource management, but because of these tough moral choices it adds a real level of intensity there is a free flash demo online so feel free to check it out if that sounds like something that might interest you
3: i will back rudy up on that he recommended gods will be watching to me and i downloaded it and played it for like three days straight it's amazing Ringing endorsement if there ever was one
0: all right guys thank you so much for joining me on this first wonderful podcast of ours. Woo. And uh, listeners, please join us next month as we are going to be playing Temple of Elemental Evil. It is currently on goodoldgames.com, gog.com for $6 if you would like to purchase it and listen along to us. Please, guys, tell me, where can we find you on the old internets?
2: You can check me out at on Twitter at NTS underscore Q-pop, QPOP, uh or find me on Steam, NTS QPOP. That's my thing. NTS stands for Not That Serious, which is how we treat our Dota 2, by the way. <laughs> and you can find me, I guess, occasionally on this very podcast where the VNG stands for Vegas and Gregory.
3: yeah What's up? What's up? No, Every time.
0: Technically, I guess. Vegas, where can people find you on the internet?
3: Uh, i'm on twitter as well at vegas lancaster uh, i'm always doing stand-up and, and other kinds of comedy in the philadelphia area and sometimes elsewhere
0: great alex Passo. are you a mystery uh
1: i'm still not on the internet maybe one day
0: maybe, maybe one, one day, day. And you can follow me at Rudy Basso on Twitter. That's R-U-D-Y-B-A-S-S-O. Guys, when I hit 100 followers, I will give away a prize because I am so nice. I will give out a PHB or a Monster's Manual or a DMG if it takes that long. Follow me, and it could be you. Alright, thanks guys, and we'll see you next month. Bye.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Good sign-off, good sign-off.